2: Dave, hello, and Tori.
0: Hello, Internet.
2: The three stooges thing doesn't work if I'm the only stooge.
3: (laughs) I'm like, Tori, I I need her to do it this time. She didn't. Too much consistency. So we start every week with good thing. Craig, tell me a good thing. All right. I got a really good thing this week that I think you guys especially will enjoy. It's a new game that has recently been released as early access. So got plenty of time. Um, to wait for it to be full release for those of you who like to wait, but it's a roguelike called Dreamscaper. It has a very amazing aesthetic. Um, the idea is that uh, your character, uh, the, the main character that you control happens to suffer from depression, I believe, and she deals with it through her dreams, which are dungeons and bosses and stuff. Um, and then in the waking world, she makes and cultivates friendships, which helps give her... Sp- unlockables, items, weapons, things like that, which she'll use in the dream world. Um, really, really good visuals. Um, highly recommended. Like I said, it's early access. It's I, I picked it up because I will pick up early access games and already there's like a full game there. So like I felt like I already got my money's worth um, and there's going to be like a lot more that they're adding. So that's that's really cool. So if you happen to like, I don't know, Games like Transistor uh, has it has that combat of Transistor, if you guys are familiar with, Um, I won't say games like Binding of Isaac, but it's the same kind of principle of the unlockables and and going through dungeons that way sort of thing. So pretty cool. Highly recommended. I think Dave and Mike, you guys would enjoy it as well, or at least, you know, take take a look at a video of it or something. Also, I do want to mention real quick that if you're listening right now, currently Amazon is doing some kind of sale for, I think, ebooks and a bunch of science and fantasy books are on sale. So uh, Sanderson stuff is on there if you haven't picked up everything. So now's a good time.
2: All right. Uh, Dave, tell me another good thing. So, like, you know those things for old cars that go into your tape deck and then you can put the audio cable like into your phone or walkman or whatever i guess I mean i guess if you had a walkman it wouldn't
0: <laughs> yes i remember those or, ancient anyway, technologies uh the, the so... cassette
1: tape that you plug into your cassette tape player that you plug <laughs> your other cassette tape player into so that you can listen to cassette tapes while you listen to cassette
2: tapes yeah all right so i'm not walkman but like a, a cd player if you remember what that is or mp3 player phone whatever uh, it goes in your tape deck in your car. For older cars that don't have an auxiliary audio input. Uh, this one's got Bluetooth. So there's no, like, long cable that always ends up hanging out the door somehow. And then there's no, like, the contact. They're always really cheap, so the contacts always wear out after a few months. And it start, starts only, like, playing on one side. This one's Bluetooth. Um, our last car was
1: was made in like a very, very, very short technology window where it only had a CD player. No aux port, no cassette deck, just a CD Uh player. Oh, boy. Nice. Current car has a CD player and an aux port, so that's fixed. But yeah, Yeah, last car. Last car was
0: rough. I had one of those uh, cassettes that had the cord, that had the headphone jack that you could hook up to your portable CD player um circa 2005 i think is when that period of our lives was
3: oh you guys remind me there's a technology con- connections i think that's the guy you, yeah, it's a youtuber he talks about how they make the the tapes the cassette tape um converters where you put a cassette t- it's not a real cassette tape but you can put an aux or something or bluetooth for that matter in and feed it through the cassette player of something it's really cool
1: All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is not the thing I posted and was originally going to go with. I'm going to save that for for a little bit. Uh, instead, it's that I just learned that. Um, are you guys familiar with the Torchlight games? Yes. I like the Doctor Who. Uh, Uh, no, they're they're Diablo. uh, they're just they're Diablo, but better. Um, I'm thinking of Torchwood. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Torchlight 3 has been in development for several years. Originally, it was planned to be a, uh, an MMO, um, and it was going to be called, like, Torchlight Frontiers or something close to that. Really? MMO? So sort of like, uh, was it Path of Exile only you see more people around, I guess? Something like that. Um, that got scrapped, but I recently learned that it's back to being a single player, so it's Torchlight 3, um... And it is available for early access through Steam right now. Oh, So I think it's like 30 bucks. Uh, and it just had like a big revamp patch. So everybody got reset. That was that had been playing early access that before I knew about it, because when I found out about it, it was like it was that the patch was announced. So
3: blah. But yeah, Torchlight 3. Good game. Potentially. So I will say uh, I own both Torchlight 1 and 2. I think I enjoyed two more than one. I just felt it was a little more polished and had a little bit more to it. So I enjoyed it more than the original. Um, So I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah. And and when I say that Torchlight is Diablo, I'm not talking about the genre. It is that. But it's it's literally like Diablo. Like they... (laughs) Thanks, Cat. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So like the first game is you have one hub town and then you just keep going deeper and deeper into into this this torchlight mine uh and then the second game is like is split up into acts like diablo 2 where like Mm -hmm. each different act has a different region of the world that you're in with a hub town and you just progress the story that way so it's it's diablo but with more quality of
3: life features right more modern i will have to say the original diablo is still so good. I mean, I know the gameplay is rough, but the aesthetics is so good. The music. Oh, yeah. It's it's a weird one because it's it's
1: one game where I don't recommend the DLC. Like, they, they made, yeah, they, they made okay. a I don't even think it was the same. Like, I think it was a different company came in and made like a DLC thing for it, which was weird. But it's not good. So just stick to the base game.
3: <laughs> I think you can get Diablo for free now, like officially they released it for free i think uh, you know what don't call me on that i shouldn't say that unless i actually know for certain uh
1: back in college i kept a copy of diablo on on like a, a usb drive that i would just take into class and play instead
3: of paying attention well maybe they didn't release it for free it's like 10 bucks on gog so Tori, what's your good thing this week
0: this week, I've been playing a lot of Hyrule Warriors. It's oh. not a not a terribly recent game. It came out in 2014, but in case you missed it. Um... The people who made Dynasty Warriors got together with Nintendo and they basically made Dynasty Warriors, except that it's in Hyrule and your characters are like Link and Zelda and a bunch of other characters from the uh, Legend of Zelda games. And there are keeps and you conquer them and (laughs) that's. You play for keeps? Yeah, yeah, that's about the extent of it. But. I, I hadn't really played it since it came out. Uh, when it came out, I played it for hours and hours and hours. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it like you do. And um, for some reason this past week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to play Hyrule Warriors. And I did. And I have been. And I've been enjoying it. So um, you should check it out if you haven't tried it.
2: I still have Craig's copy of the game. I own that game. It's pretty fun. You used to. <laughs> <laughs> What version are you playing, Tori?
0: Uh, I actually have it on both the Wii U and the DS, and I've been kind of alternating between them depending on the weather, because my TV is upstairs in my house, and it's really hot upstairs. So if it's too hot to play upstairs on the Wii U, then I'm downstairs on the DS.
2: Is Linkle in the DS version?
0: Uh I believe that that DLC is available, but I don't have it on the DS version. I only have yeah. that on the Wii U version.
2: Uh, Craig let me borrow the Switch version, which actually has all of the DLC content built into it. But some of the stuff you have to unlock by doing some of the adventure mode map. And yeah, it's a lot of fun, but I haven't played since like my first binge of it either. So I kind of get that too. I would say calling it a Zelda game is is
1: not super duper accurate. It's a Dynasty no, Warriors it, it's game. No, it's a
0: Dynasty Warriors game for sure. But the the soundtrack is pure Zelda game and it is amazing. There are some really fun remixes of some of the older songs and um a really rockin' like uh guitar hero style uh, skyward sword theme on those stages. So oh, I
2: like that one. Yeah. I really like the Twilight Princess Kakariko Village song. Is probably my favorite track from that game.
0: Yes, that one also is good. All right.
1: Uh, We've got a couple of chapters to cover, and then we've got a chapter to cover, and then we've got some stuff to talk about about that chapter and those chapters. So Dave, why don't you get us started with the chapters?
2: Okay, this is Alloy of Law, and we're starting with chapter Duralumin plus Iron. That is 16 plus 1, which is the way it's written. And I'm sad that it's not just a straight up base 16 numberings. So maybe like, maybe in era one, it was more like Roman numerals where they just added the 16s all up. But by the year that this book takes place, you think they would have figured out how to have a two digit number. And actually, before we even get into this chapter, I have a lot to talk about, about just this uh symbology being used here. So I I went back to my Ars Arcanum from Mistborn Era One from Hero of Ages and I cross referenced all of the symbols from the chapter titles with the uh, with the symbols of all the metals in the Ars Arcanum. So I I drew up a little chart on like the alomancy wheel on the top left. You've got iron, steel, tin, and pewter, and and this is this is the alomancy chart in um, Hero of Ages and cadmium and bendeloy are there they use the same symbols for the chapter headings in alloy of law Uh, however atm and malatium are missing so whatever the other two metals are that replace them they have different symbols so that's kind of interesting i also got a better idea of how the metals were grouped on the chart so like like the inner circle is the internal metals and the outer circle is external and then uh The top and bottom quadrants are pulling metals and the east and west quadrants are the pushing metals, the alloys, and the top half seems to, as the basic eight metals or, I'm actually calling, uh, like, I'm, I'm still sticking with, this is not like four different sections of like physical, mental, time affecting, whatever. I'm actually saying that this is four different axes and two, Two values on each axis, right? So there's push-pull, internal-external, physical-mental, and then what I'm calling spatial versus temporal. Uh, the spatial metals being the basic eight. So each uh, metal represents a number, and you can see there's a little pattern there. So I like this. Uh, just what are the other two metals? Because ATM and ATM, the symbols given in the Hero of Ages Ars Arcanum, are nowhere to be found. Uh, I did also pick up an interesting bit is that the iron and steel symbols and some of them are like slightly different, but the iron and steel symbols are significantly different in that uh, in era one, those symbols had obvious spikes in them and the other all the other metals look like they have spikes in them still, but iron and steel, they were definitely like pulled out of the uh, pulled out of the. Symbols for iron and steel, and I have kind of like a little a mini mini head cannon on that, and that is that this is this is a kind of uh, they they kind of removed the spikes from iron and steel, symbolizing that Zed absolved Marsh of his inquisitorial I mean, that's my theory from the uh, the chapter heading. Let, let's be honest, Marsh saved the day. He did. Yeah. Other-
3: I don't think he ha- he needed to be absolved so much as thanked,
0: I guess. Yeah, he didn't need to be absolved because what he did was not his fault. He was being controlled while he was literally inside his own head screaming about it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he, he went against what Ruin was telling him to do. Like, how hard is that when a figurative god is controlling your body at the time?
2: I would say that the word absolve still applies because it says that declaring him innocent of what others might expect him to be guilty of okay so you're saying that marsh is the real hero of
1: ages he is unfortunately (laughs) not the hero of age (laughs) all right uh i do want to dig into your allomancy chart and i also want to like fill in the blanks and offer corrections in a couple of places but i kind of want to save that for our whole book overview episode so
2: I'll I do did that. fix it. Earlier in the week, I mixed up the push and pull sectors, but I did actually just post a fix right before we started recording.
3: Uh, I will yeah, say I, I actually like how you group the four different axes. It's interesting, um, like the idea that the spatial, so you have physical, spatial and mental, spatial metals instead of just physical, mental and the other two groupings. But I'm not 100 percent sure I agree, but it is neat. I also
0: want to say, because I don't know if we have already, for those listening at home, the chart we are referring to is posted in Dave Art on our Discord channel.
1: And you can find a link to the Discord by going to patreon.com slash CosmereCast. You do not need to give us
2: money, but we'd appreciate it if you did. Neat. Okay, so let's talk about actual Chapter 17. Is Wax going to blow up the whole train car, nets, and all? Doesn't Marassi want to wear trousers just like the Ascendant Champion? Rail shooter. I can't decide between a Spirit Tracks or a Breath of the Wild Divine Beast reference here. Spirit Tracks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Spirit Tracks all the way. Okay.
2: okay. Never played it, though. I've never owned a DS. I think that's what that's on. Miles knows where Wax is. The Babby Sitters are named Push and Pull. That's not very clever. I would have called them Stinky and Smelly. Miles (laughs) Miles hypothesized. <laughs> How is that clever? Because one of them's stinky and one of them's smelly. Like, they're <laughs> trying to be, op- like, different and opposites, but really, they both stink and smell. It's two sides of the same coin. Or maybe coin. maybe I would call them ebb and flow. I think that would be a little bit more. That I would appreciate, yeah. Maybe if they both survived by the end of this week's chapters and they could be, like, rivals. Like, you could have Wax and Wayne versus ebb and flow. Like, that would have been cool, but oops. We killed one. <laughs> Oh, well, spoilers! <laughs> Save them for the spoiler section, man. Uh, Miles apostatized, apostatized from the Church of the Survivor and off Dynamite. So, we got Wax, who's hiding in a train car, remember, in the in the brake knot. And Marasi doesn't like wearing pants. And there's a literal rail shooter. There's like turret gun on a rail car. It's a rail shooter, but literally. Uh... Okay, so if if the this thing riding on the canal, like when Morasi first sees it, uh, she thinks it's like a giant beast. So if it were a divine beast, what animal would it be? The, the thing that, the barge. Yeah, the barge. What animal would it be if it's a divine beast from Breath of the Wild?
0: Mm, well, with the crane thing going on, I could see them making some kind of scorpion out of it. But Turtle. with it being on the water...
1: Guys... It's it's Dave. I know the answer to this one. It's a frog.
2: Duh. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, a crane. That's it. It's a crane. The of it's a crane.
0: Really, a crane? A crane. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: Dave.
3: <indeed>. Got it. <laughs> but seriously, how cool would a frog divine beast have been in the game?
0: Would have been really cool.
3: Salamander. That's close. They already have that
0: four frog divine
1: really cool. beasts. They're all frogs. Frog. <laughs> They're all frogs. Frog. There's a water frog, there's a sand frog, there's an air frog, and there's a fire frog.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Alright, so at the end of the chapter, Miles is like, open up, Wax is in there, open the open the thingy, and be ready for anything, and they weren't ready for dynamite duct tape to the door, and that's the end of chapter 17, with the Chekhov's dynamite. Well, it's, it seems as though we've ended this chapter on a chasm hanger. <laughs> Got
3: him. Wax doesn't even know what chasms are. So what's going to happen next, Dave?
2: Uh, you want me to tell you? Uh, I, I you... think he was inviting that. Yes. Ye- yes, chapter please. 18? I'm allowed to hear spoilers. All right. I think what's going to happen next is chapter 18. Him. Checkoff's net. Bomb jump. Wayne is that guy playing WoW with a bad internet connection. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. That's I guess good. you're gonna. Yeah. So. If you've ever played an MMO, especially back in the early days before broadband was so uh, prevalent, uh, pe- people with bad internet connections, you would just see them like blink from point A to point B in like a segment. Would be like, "I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here." Like, that's what it—that's what it reminded me of with Wayne constantly putting up time bubbles. Some
0: some I other like time, it. remind me to tell you the story of the first time Matt played Doom Three.
2: Cool. Marasi is missing, but her gun isn't. That's totally said. Chekhov's trunk with guns in it. It would have been cuter if they named the, the coin shot pull. This is totes a mist cloak blaster master.
3: Wait, are you proposing
2: they do push and pull, sort of like how they call the big guy tiny? Yeah, exactly. And God. they're gangsters, right? Like the <laughs> the coin shot should be pull, and the lurcher should be
3: push. It would throw everyone off. You would like be like, "Pull, get them!" He suddenly points up. He's like, "I didn't expect it."
2: Boggles the mind, man. Okay, uh, so there's the net. So when net drops... full of jello. So wax drops the net on uh, on top of Miles, but and Miles, you know, Miles doesn't have uh, super strength or anything. He just has super healing, but. He carries a little stick of dynamite in his cigar box (laughs) and just blows up the net and himself. (laughs) But it's okay. So (laughs) I want
3: to talk about this for a moment. Like when you have ridiculous super healing, you could do some crazy things to get out of a situation like that. You don't have super strength, but you could. I don't know. Could do you think I'm trying to think if you could like somehow push finger parts through the rope, but it's not strong enough to cut your finger. But if it did, it's just weird. Dude, Push.
2: you could do some weird things and super through super rope. I don't think you need super parts to stick your fingers through a rope. Not through a rope, but if you could like...
3: Through a net. Let's say you cut your hand off, right? Somehow, you cut your hand off, stick it through, and then reattach it. It would grow outside the net. Suddenly, a part of you is outside the net. You're wanting him it- to Terminator 2, this thing? He's not a Chondra, my dude. I why? know that's that's the that's why I'm like you. Why would it be easier to, to stick your hand through a net if you
2: cut it off? Maybe like your whole. What I'm saying as a starting point, as a, as a reference. And besides, not, if he cut his arm off, then he wouldn't have the metal mines. You we weren't here for last week's episode where we talked about this. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, we
3: actually talked. He needs about he that. needs the metal mines. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, so I have another question then. If he cuts his head off, which part of him is? Himself, Would it be his head and
2: the rest of his body would grow from his head? I don't think he can regrow limbs without...
0: Uh, No, Wayne Wayne makes a comment about regrowing fingers.
2: Yeah, he can totally regrow limbs. Miles could. So wait, that ferrochemical gold gives him the ability to regenerate limbs? Yes. Yeah, he heals. That doesn't make sense.
3: It makes a, little, a sort of sense. it
1: does That's when you a know a little bit event. more about the the background
2: workings of how things work. Yeah. Do you go on. No. <laughs> Got him. Okay. I guess I'll just take your word for it now, but I wouldn't, it's, it's a race, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected this to uh give them anything more than the normal human ability to heal, aside from making it super fast. It's it's more of a property of investiture and how it works rather than
3: specifically this is just healing. So you have to I, think of it more like investiture rather than this is just healing power.
2: We'll see. I could I could accept like, okay, you chop your arm off and then you stick the arm back on, but like regrowing a whole new arm, that's a little weird. But whatever, I guess that's how it works. It's the same reason why a healer would still age. Next chapter.
1: Oh, we didn't
2: have a next chapter. Dang it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he basically does a bomb jump. <laughs> like in Zelda. And then... Uh, yep, we got Wayne going around. He's like, oh, Wax needs help. And then he sees Renette's gun and he's like, oh, Marassi needs help. I guess Wax would want me to help Marassi instead of him. And then Wax... Uh... Cut to Wax. Wayne, help. <laughs> <laughs> he's like... And Wax is like praying with his he's had his earring on the whole time. And now he's praying. It's like, I thought I asked for a little help. And then he gets a response reply. A little is what you received, I think, which is totally Sazed. you can't convince me otherwise. Wait, I can't tell. I mean, does (laughs) say really talk like that? Would he still talk like that after 10,000 years or however long it's been? Maybe some something like that. 10,000 years would give him such a pain in the neck. Like, I wonder if he
3: wrote something that was in the beginning of every chapter in a book and we didn't notice until the very end. Speech patterns, man. There they are.
2: So Sazed's like, I can't play favorites, but I'm going to play favorites. And he like magically makes the Chekhov's trunk with guns in it appear. And by the way, if you introduce a trunk with guns in it in the first act, then you better well open that trunk and get the guns by the end of the book. (laughs) <laughs> it's true that's uh, yep, that's the definition that of a is, Chekhov's trunk that is the
1: law of Chekhov's trunk, indeed, yeah. If you put Chekhov's a trunk full of guns truck. on top of the mantle in act
2: one uh yeah, so now we have a little scene from Marassi's perspective where she's hiding out in like a little cave or something uh she she actually dropped the gun because the uh the coin shot was. Uh, looking for her so she's like oh he can detect this gun with his alamancy so i better throw this off behind some barrels as a decoy and then she goes and hides in a cave and miles is nearby and I, it seems like she's getting ready to burn some cadmium and hold down miles for a little bit and but miles knows she's there he's like marasi you better scream and call wax over here but she doesn't have to because Wax is already on the scene, ready to kick butt and takes two shots in Miles's side as the chapter clue. And I wrote Blaster Master because the last sentence is without saying a word, he lowered the shotguns and blasted Miles in the side. So r- real quick, the
3: Coppermine summary of this chapter, it has a quote from Harmony, which is just, you're welcome. There's so many better quotes they could have picked from. Him. I especially like the one where Wax is like, "Could I get a little bit of help in something?" And Harmony's like, "I did send help. I sent you." Like, I like that. That was uh, good.
0: I, I like the exchange where he says, "You know, I thought I asked for a little help," and Harmony says, "I, I gave you a little help." <laughs> Wax is like, "Could I have a little more?"
2: Yep. So I had a couple of thoughts about Morassi in this chapter and. I went back and I realized that Morassi was on the scene when we first get the little time bubble conversation by the tea set with Wax and Wayne. What if Morassi was actually burning cadmium at that time and negated the speed bubble? And then they just like acted all slow on the sofa to trick them into thinking the speed bubble was actually up. That would be pretty fun. Uh, What is this? What is the scene? So like the scene where we first meet Morassi and Starris and Lord Harms. Right, right. And but right before that, Wayne shows up with the aluminum bullet. And while Harms and co. are in the living room, uh, so Wayne puts up a speed bubble so they can have a little side conversation in their presence. But maybe, you know, Morassi actually burned cadmium during that scene, because remember, the cadmium bubble can take up an entire room. Right. So well, it's possible that she'd actually burn the cadmium and negated that time bubble and then they just acted all slow like they couldn't hear what was going on there's some problems with that one she'd have to be aware
3: that wayne was going to do that she might right. be considering that she has studied wax and wayne and i'm sure it's written about his abilities well she uh, wouldn't have thought it, it I... on her own accord i think i think that her dad would have put her up to it well i was gonna say the main problem with it is that lord harms is sort of like your powers an embarrassment. So I don't think he would actually use it in an advantageous way. That depends what you think of Lord Harms. It's true. That's true. G- given what he has said and what Morassi has told us, I don't I would say I, don't it's not in his character.
2: I do not buy into this your power is useless thing. There, that I cannot take that at face value because it is just so incredibly dumb. Okay. Um I also had kind of another question about how cadmium bubbles work if Marasi were say on the other side of a wall from Miles would she be able to put up a cadmium bubble that goes through the wall so that she can hold them both inside the cad bubble uh without him being able to get to her I yes so.
1: expect except in one very specific circumstance i can think of are uh, we allowed to tell Dave the that the wall is made out of
2: aluminum dave just guessed it good job okay. <laughs> nice good uh, all right. So yeah, so you know that would actually be extremely useful. You could just trap somebody. Like if you were just inside of a box. Like if you were inside of the dreadnought, which is made of steel, not aluminum, not the dreadnought, the breaknought. Like if you're inside that box, and you could just put up a time bubble to slow everyone down around you. Like that would be probably the most powerful thing that you could do with cadmium. And they might not even notice it if the bubble is big enough if it like takes up the whole room that would be nuts uh so yeah Marassi definitely is like trying to use cadmium in this scene here and i'm not i lord harms is not in the clear for me i i still think he's a little suspicious all right uh do you have anything else for us dave um i i'm sad that uh wayne kind of lost his objective in this scene like He got really distracted by Wax and Marassi, and he was he was so close to getting his hat back. (laughs) He should have just he didn't
3: he didn't prioritize. Hey, a hero is the one who saves the day and gets his hat. Indiana Jones. (laughs) Exactly. New casting
1: choice. Wayne is played by Harrison Ford. Oh, speaking of casting, I have casting for push and pull. Oh, yeah. Uh, The twins or cousins or whatever from Breaking Bad. I'll have to take your word for it. I haven't seen it. You've never watched Breaking Bad? I tried. I couldn't get into it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I think it's in like season three.
2: Uh, they show up. I think they do a really good job. What about um, in reboot? Megabyte has a two robot flunkies. They could be pushing. <laughs> we already have clamps as clamps. So we can cast <laughs> robots in this.
0: I'm thinking of the what were they uh ghosts from the the other Matrix movies
1: from, from oh, the second yeah. one Those those weird
3: bald white dreadlock ghost guys The, the white dreadlock ghost, ghost
0: guys yeah something.
3: Merovingian twins or something Um twins. twin I have a question for Dave and I'm sorry guys cuz I know it's it's because of last week Um what was Dave's reaction to High Imperial Oh we didn't even talk about that Oh good guess what we could talk about right now Dave, what did you think of High Imperial? Was I supposed to read that? It it was in
2: the chapter fourteen, High Imperial, the,
0: the fancy language that the official government documents are written in.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, Marathi had to the, read it. Uh, the street jargon. I thought that was that was fun. It was cute. I think that I, that I feel like was more of just like a fun time cameo and less of a like serious world building bit. That spook turned his street language into latin basically (laughs) i mean his street language was basically pig latin right yeah wait does that mean
3: real latin is actually pig latin for the romans could it really be our our understanding is just flipped on its head all right i don't know what craig's
1: going on about so dave what else you got (laughs) uh what
2: what are the two medals i will tell you in two weeks Okay. I'm curious if they actually have the same function that ATM and Metal ATM did, but they're just different metals. Though so I think we've actually mentioned them to you before, and you just yep. forgot. Well, we have... you said Verassium. No. I don't think I did, because I don't know what that is. Verassium is the uh, titanium nugget. I, I will say. Laracium. Lorasium, yeah. That's not it. Yeah. That's another
3: god metal. I figured. I will say if you think about the medals you have, not not, of course, the classical ones, because they're all well known, the eight new ones. Um,
2: if you think about it, you should be able to deduce what the two are. But yeah, that's all I'll say. Am I going to find out in the book before, like when I finish reading this week, or will I have a chance to guess at them before you tell me? Um, if you don't read the Ars Arcanum, then you'll be fine. Okay, I'll probably just finish the book and then read the Ars canon for a wrap-up. Uh, that'll work. I All think, right, I, I think I, we're Dave, done with Dave, so Dave should go away. Goodbye. Bye Dave. Bye, Dave.
0: Bye, Dave.
2: Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material, Spoilers begin now. All right,
1: let's do spoiler time. Uh, first, cool. what do we have for this week's chapters before we get into new stuff?
3: Um, I wanted to briefly touch on Dave's chart, um, which is actually pretty good, I think. Uh, but unfortunately, he put Bendeloy and Cadmium with Duralum. Oh, gosh. Why did I choose that word? Aluminum and Duralumin, which is unfortunate because that is not the location of them. Correct. Uh, uh that is because the two metals he's missing, Necrosil and Chromium, are the external versions of aluminum and dura- the other one. Duralaman. Yep, that one. So uh so yeah, so once once he and the nice thing is it doesn't happen in this book. I believe it's in Bands of Morning, where we actually get the uh the leecher, the Chromium misting, who, who can put his power in one of those devices to and throw it like a grenade to suck power out i don't remember that at all but that sounds cool yeah it's it's sort of scary use like he, he can put his ability in a grenade and steal someone's metal reserves
0: i remember you know? that it was cool
3: yeah so um we actually will get to see it uh and it's unfortunate it's not this book but if it's in the i haven't looked at the ars account for this book if it pops up then he'll know um and that's i think I still have an issue, and I wanted to talk about it last week with how gold actually works. Uh, I'll just touch on this briefly. Uh, Before we talk
0: about stuff from last week, um, the regrowing limbs thing. Yeah. Um, That's all down to identity. Yeah. Because you think you should have that limb, right?
3: It's, It's how you view yourself. So when you heal, you heal in terms of what you think you should appear to be. Which Hence is why, why the Lopin yep. can get an arm back. Lopin gets his arm back. Kaladin, Kaladin does not get cannot. rid of his scars. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it is neat that healing... And, and I think this is just a general property of investiture. Um, since it is it always comes down to identity and connection. These, these are the two key things of how investiture works. And it's all based on these things in some way. Uh, in this case, healing uses your identity to figure out what you should appear to be and sort of returns your body to the state that matches your identity
0: and now you can talk about the thing from last week.
3: Well, it actually, actually. goes along with this before we get to that.
2: <sighs>
3: hold on it goes. Could
1: you use investiture based healing to shapeshift a bit like the
3: return from uh <laughs> or from nalthus absolutely. I think so, but it definitely requires a change to how you view yourself. And I think that's why the return appear the way they do, because it's a mental process. That's what they think the ideal of beauty or strength or whatever it is they're trying to embody is. All right, Craig, now you can do your thing. So gold, uh, gold is very interesting because it, it says in the Copper Mine, uh wiki, it reveals your past self. Um, gold, I believe, is just a view of identity. It's it's identity based on choices that were made in the past and how they're reflected in the present so there's some temporal shenanigans going on there but it takes a point of yourself some time in the past where you made what you feel is a key decision a key choice and what, if the choice was different what would it be like so it is a it is a it's a look at your identity. So you get to see your current identity. And you also get to sort of think the thoughts and embody your identity if your past self made a different choice. So if we go along with that, Electrum is interesting because that's the, it's, it says it's, it reveals your future, but it sort of has to be your future identity, as in your physical location as well as your state of body. Because it's a very short-term revealing of your future. I haven't quite figured out Electrum yet, but gold is a look at your identity. I wanted to get that one down. Since mel uh, ATM and mel atm are very different in how they operate. And that's probably why people were able to deduce that ATM and mel atm didn't quite fit with gold and Electrum, if you understand that their gold and Electrum look at your identity. But Going along with that, Cadmium and Bendaloid don't really go with gold and Electrum either. They don't do anything to your identity. But they go with each other. They go with each other. And they are temporal. Correct. I'm just not convinced they belong as the external conversions of gold and Electrum. But if that's the case, that means we have missing metals and they don't add up to 16. And that makes me sad. So I don't know. Uh, But I just wanted to briefly touch on gold because in the previous chapters, um we did get to see miles actually using his, his allomancy, his gold allomancy to see two different versions of himself. And it's like, Hey, this is basically a look at his identity. So I think what, what
1: happened with gold and melatium is that Brandon introduced them in the first book to mm-hmm. solve a problem. Yeah. Uh, but then hadn't thought out the full like 16 metals at that point. Yeah. And so he kind of, He kind of painted himself into a corner, which he he partially fixed with by introducing Electrum as the actual alloy of gold. Right. uh, And then made Malatium just not be a thing anymore. And then,
3: hey, speed bubbles sound cool. Let's use those. (laughs) Um, I will say if it is a a sort of a retcon, he did it pretty well. He basically made Seized retcon it. Yeah, which It's sort of allowed, Um,
1: but it does leave gold being weird for right for a good reason back in the first book, but no longer now. It now it's just weird, and it it will continue to be weird indefinitely.
3: Uh, I I think I'm okay with how gold and electrum currently work. I'd be okay if if they weren't changed. Um, But like I said, because I I like the fact that we have a metal because it it feels like the alamantic metals are very physical oriented um as in they're very much rooted in abilities that exist in the physical realm um and then you have the ferrochemical powers which there's a couple of metals that you can use for things like uh connection and identity which we will see later on in these books um and it was just weird that we didn't really touch upon connection and identity with allomancy but if gold and electrum actually exist and they're looking at people's identity we actually do have alamantic powers that, that handle that. Maybe going along with that, the aluminum branch, so the the four enhancement metals, could be dealing with connection in some way, in a in a weaker way, because it it clearly doesn't remove your ability to use alamancy, but it does get rid of your metal reserves. But uh, that's a stretch. I'm not like I'm not good with that. I'm just maybe like,
1: maybe once you swallowed the metal you have created a connection between it and yourself and it severs that connection or greatly enhances that I'm reaching here. This is not. Yeah,
3: I know that's why I'm like, eh. I don't know. we'll have to play around with it a little bit. But yeah, I think I'm good with gold and Electrum if they're, if they actually look at identity, because it sort of makes sense. It's an important investiture property that Allomancy didn't really touch before. Um, now I will say that, Dave is sort of trying to figure out like where ATM and Malatium fit. And we haven't really explained it because it's not really in the books. But just to clarify here for our listeners, uh, ATM is a god metal. There's god metals for each of the different shards for the most part. And all of these god metals have alloys with the main metals, which have different properties, which is why you have ATM, which is the god metal. You have Malatium, which is ATM alloyed with gold. And you can do the, and it has a certain property. And you can do the same with all the other metals, and they have a sort of version of the main god metal. So, ATM is the whole like look into the future and see what people are going to do thing, and male ATM is sort of like the the inverse of that, right? That was the past. You can look at at someone else's past rather than your past. Um, so it looks at someone else's identity, but it's sort of like a, it's sort of like an inverse. Of ATM and it's the same idea. If you were to alloy, um, what's it called? ATM with like iron, you'd probably have a a pulling version, a physical pulling version of ATM. I'm not quite sure how that would work, but it, that's the idea. So we have we have ATM is the god metal. We have Laurasium, which is basically an enhancement type god metal, and we have what's called Et metal, which we believe is the harmony metal. And we don't even know what that does elementically, because if you swallow it, it explodes. So it does not like water. Uh, I believe says did that on purpose. Yep. So who knows what that one does? But yeah, so um, they don't fit in the chart anymore because they are God metals. And there's a there's essentially a chart of 16 metals that go along with each God metal. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. All right. Uh, let's move on now to
1: Wax's plan to capture Miles. Yeah, uh, he used a net. <laughs> yep, he did. That was his big, brilliant plan was to use a net, and he we is. know with the benefit of hindsight that what he should have done was use
3: two nets. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I honestly think it wasn't a bad idea. Like you, you have to just you just have to hold someone who can heal themselves. You just you just have to lock them up. That's all you have to do. But the problem is not realizing that someone with that ability will just blow themselves up to get out of that sort of situation, which
1: I hmm. so wax is generally pretty smart and thinks things through several steps ahead. Yeah, he's Batman. I am a little disappointed that he didn't think this one through at least one more step. Hmm. I agree. (laughs) Maybe he was a little pressed for time like i i would have actually been okay with with that part of his plan actually working because he thought it through and came up with trap him in a net wait for him to blow himself up trap him in another net he no longer has the ability to blow himself up but then like it doesn't actually finish anything because you know he still has all of his men to deal with and right like we we could have had we could have had the same basic
3: plot in this section with Wax coming off a little bit smarter. Sure, all you would have is, like, push or pull, remove, or get Miles out of the the second net. I like the idea that Miles blew himself up to get out of... Like, I I think that's a clever use of his ability, so I don't mind having that in. But I agree, Wax, already up to this point, has been anticipating all of Miles' moves. He should have thought of this one, because he should have. Um... But I'm just going to chalk it up to lack of time and just the inexperience with having to deal with someone like this, like not. So it's sort of like a blind spot, which we know wax has some blind spots. We we will see that in the future, but it's sort of a blind spot realizing that you will destroy your own body to get out of a situation. It's not the sort of thing you expect someone to be able to do unless that person can heal infinitely. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to give wax a benefit. Of- benefit of the doubt here um i do say i think plan one should have been the Marassi plan and i think it was just wax's unwillingness to put someone in danger that that made that plan Two, plan b but i think sticking her in the in the break knot and throwing the bubble up while the police you know arrive at the location after they find out where it is would have been a lot better so Dave is currently in Dave theories going on about mercury as a potential metal. Yep. And I'm having a lot of fun reading that. <laughs> uh, yep, that, that is in our uh, Discord under the Dave theory where he likes to post all his different ideas of how to do things. And right. he has fun with, with allomancy. I feel like most of his theories are related to allomancy. Like that That's typically when he posts the most because this is the, the magic system we have the most information on that you make deductions with.
1: I, I think he'll get really into uh, Words of Radiance because that opens up a lot more on the on the Surge's front. Yeah. Um, all right. Well,
3: speaking, speaking of, of
1: yes, shall we move on to uh, this week's
3: preview chapter? Uh, yeah. Real quick. I just before we move on. I just feel like it was a little weird how Wax's plan was to stick some dynamite and have this pull string on a door that was already pulled off of the, the train cart. Like, it's just weird. Al, it was just long enough that he could pull it and blow things up and hey, whatever. Uh,
1: Dave didn't mention it this week because he mentioned it last week uh, that Wayne is a cartoon character. Yep. Literally, he's Bugs Bunny. Yep, uh, I gathered that. That scene was a Looney Tunes scene. Like, just straight <laughs> up. Door with explosives, string to, to trigger them. Yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah.
0: Literally Acme Dynamite. Like, that was the brand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. that, like, if this, okay, so if, if this book gets made into a movie or a TV show or whatever, that scene should go from, like, live action to Looney Tunes-style <laughs> animation, and then back once the explosion no, yeah. happens. No explanation uh,
3: given, just that's what it is. I think every time we have a Wayne perspective portion, it should be in cartoon form. That will resolve all of that. Anytime there's a Wayne perspective, suddenly we're animated. All right. So uh,
1: let's let's move on to the preview chapter, which um, I'm in another discord with a couple of the um, the Stormlight beta readers. Uh, one of them said that it should be just one chapter a week from now until release. And the preview sense. chapters.
3: Yeah. I I would prefer not to read the whole book before it's released. I would actually I actually want to look I want something to look forward to.
1: I mean, it's only supposed to be part one, but right. Part ones of Stormlight tend to be
3: fairly long. I have to say, chapter six, there's a lot here. There's a lot of key things that are revealed here. I wouldn't say there's a lot so much as that we have some very key things that I want to discuss. All right. Well, I didn't do bullet points again. Okay.
1: Uh, last week I was overwhelmed because there was a lot to go over. Uh, this week I just didn't feel like it. Um, but we can, we can still just go through the thing. I want to start by talking about Fabrials. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in these, in the epigraphs so far, we are getting, um, some specifics about Fabrials, like how to trap a spren, how to suck the stormlight out of, of a gem to, suck a spren in, uh, we already knew that they were, that, that fabrials consisted of a gem containing a spren wrapped in metal. Um, this suggests that the different kinds of metal do different things, which then I think ties us back into uh, Scadrial, into into Mistborn. So hmm. maybe the metal they use uh, can like do different things based on how it works either alimantically or ferrochemically
3: until we get information. We're not sure, but yeah, that I, I like it. We already know aluminum seems to block investiture in gen. Like it's a general property of aluminum, right? Uh, also, how weird is it that it acts as a, a key for an alimantic power when it normally blocks? it? that's a different thing. So um, I
1: have a thought on this, uh, which is what if you make a, a fabrial cage, By braiding two different metals in wires together, uh, like the um the Southern Scadrians do with their you know their their connection things like connection and 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 identity and their heat, their heat makers.
3: Oh right, right, yeah. Maybe it would have two different.
1: Can you can you make or like can you can you combine those to make a new effect?
3: Can I petition to have Navani be a guest speaker on our podcast? I mean, oh, you can try, clear. but if you I don't know her email address. So <laughs> uh she she's only on the Read network. So, yeah, I, I feel like maybe I, I I need more information about how the metals, uh, how the sprint react to the metals, like what they actually do. But this is this sounds like it's modifiers is the same way that like God metals change based on what you alloy with. It's the way that. Like you said, Farukami, how these metals can be used. Like, there seems to be this general uh, trend that all of these are related in some way. Uh, The other thoughts I had were,
1: um, what happens when you trap a corrupted spren? Like, how does that change things? What happens if you trap a void spren? What, What can void spren do in Fabrials? Right. Um... What has Navani been doing with the thrill unmade that was trapped in the perfect gem at the end of Oathbringer? Oh
3: god, please don't do anything with it.
1: I can't imagine a world where she hasn't been doing some sort of experimenting with it, with <sighs> Fabrials. I know, but is this scary? Like, can she turn the thrill on and then flip a switch and turn it off? That would actually be really powerful. Can she make it do things that aren't thrill-based? Can can she do like it's it's a happy ray now?
0: I'm just imagining <laughs> Dalinar putting it somewhere where she can't find it to keep her from messing with it because that's something husbands do.
3: Well, would Dalinar do year, that though, though? And Dalinar's no Gavilar. He he would support Navani's research.
0: Hey, my husband is no Gavilar either. But when he doesn't want me to find something, he puts it on top of the fridge where I can't reach it. <laughs>
3: But you own Mm -hmm.
1: shares and you know where it is. And if you really want to get to it, you still can. (laughs) And Navani is is more than capable of of doing things that she knows Dalinar wouldn't want her to do and just telling him to deal with it.
3: I I think you're asking some really good questions, Mike, that we don't have any idea. We can only speculate and it's really hard to speculate about what it would do. All
1: right. So that was that was my big Fabriel thing. Uh, the rest of the chapter is more or less straightforward, so I'll, I'll pass it over to Craig to walk us
3: through it. Uh, okay. Well, we first go to Shalon, well, Radiant actually, Shalon, uh, being captured and inducted into the Sons of Honor. With the whole goal, of course, finding out who's currently leading the Sons of Honor now that we don't have Amram around. Um, so Shalon, Radiant, and Vale, you know, take turns to basically convince them to induct her and then maybe even get her. Inf- uh, she wants to get the information about who's running it. if it's actually, uh, I how do you say her name? E. 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 But then fast, that, like you're, that's a melancholy like type like thing, thing there you have before. Eli. But yeah,
0: there you go. You got it.
3: Sadius. Um, so yeah, so so we get a bit of that going on where she's trying to get information out of them. Uh, and in general, this was uh, the Sons of Honor have the, her infiltrating them is a task that was given to her by Dalinar because it makes sense. This is what we need to do. They're sort of undermining his authority. And it was also given to her by the Ghostbloods, which, which is when you have two of the people you're working for in agreement, you know this is a big deal. So... She's going to go along with it and do it anyway. So that's what's sort of going on with Shalon and her cha- and her section of the chapter. And then we get a good big fight scene with Kaladin. Hold up. And his hold band. up. Hold up. Oh, you okay. went way too fast.
1: Sorry. Uh, so th- we get a reveal that one of the high princes uh, is dead. Mm, right. Likely by ELA or yeah. her people. Uh, that is high yeah. prince Thanedal. Yeah. Uh, and then another high prince ran away. Uh, that is yep. High Prince Vama. Um, these
3: these were the two who refused to join with Dalinar and were staying on the Shattered Plains. And you
1: also skipped the bit where Vale has a plan, I... which
3: is to kill ELA. That's that's not what either oh, of your uh, yeah, bosses that's in this wanted section. to do. Sorry. Yeah. But vale, vale wanted to actually assassinate ELA. And I'm pretty sure she can pull it off. Yeah. Vale can.
0: And I hope she does, because I don't want to read about ELA for the rest of the book.
3: <laughs> how how have these characters been such a thorn in our side since right? Way of Kings? Yeah, I'm I'm family. ready for the
1: Sons of Honor to stop being a thing. We have enough other secret societies to deal with.
3: Right. Like And it does feel like they're they're weaker because they lost both Gavilar and Amaram, that they're sort of They're just being used by ELA at this point. And then if if we could just remove the head, I feel like the Sons of Honor will be mostly dealt with. But we we don't know for certain because Gavilar was up to some funky business in the past. Like from what we've seen of those earlier perspectives, the fact that he was working with a couple of the Heralds says that there's probably more here to the Sons of Honor than what we know. Well, I think it's less the
1: Sons of Honor directly and more just. Gavilar trying to pull some stuff off and
3: mm, true. He, he also had this group that he could do other stuff with. I, um, I think it's in this section where it mentions that Gavilar was sort of using the Sons of Honor to further his plans. Yeah,
1: I would like to learn more about that, like, past Sons of Honor stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, if, if their plot thread could just sort of stop here,
3: I'd be cool with that. <laughs> well, then you better hope that Uh, veil is successful all right let's move on to the fighty time fighty time kill 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 right so this is some pretty neat stuff we have Kaladin and his windrunners uh fighting against the uh heavenly ones which is the windrunner like group of um fused and um they're so they're very interesting to me they they themselves are very honorable they are willing to fight one-on-one and as long as you are actually fighting one on one and you, you don't you don't backstab them, they will honor the challenge that they're given. Um, let's see. And Kaladin spared one of them in last week's chapters. Right. Which, I, I read all of these at once. That's so what
1: I'm trying to which le- figure uh, out exactly yeah. where we Lesh, are. Leshwi turns around and offers that same mercy to Sigzel once Kaladin tells Sigzel what to do to not
3: die. Right. So that was actually pretty interesting from last week's chapters where he spared, even though they die when, well, I shouldn't say die. When one of the fuses is is killed off, they return in the next uh, Everstorm and in someone else's body. So they're never really fully killed off. But the fact that he still spared them from that was respectful and honorable. So they're willing to do the same thing to them.
1: And it also so both sides sort of see this in a similar way. Uh so from Kaladin's perspective, if he kills one of the fused, they'll just come back with the next ever storm, but right. they'll have to take over a new listener body. Yep. If one of the fused kills a Radiant, then that Spren is now free to bond a new a new human. Yep. But a human was was killed. So in either case, like the actual numbers involved don't change, but it's still it's it's still
3: considered merciful because a new person doesn't have to die, basically. Right, and it's like you said, the the Fuse are taking over a singer's body, so they are essentially killing the singer to to come into an, ex- an existence. Yep. So, yeah, body bodies are dying, and the f- and the fact that they're very respectful to each other of that is is very interesting to me. Um, I I do this is one of the big things I wanted to talk about, and I'll I'll, I'll get into it after we're finished the overview. Um, um so, yeah. I just I
1: just want to put out that by the end of this chapter, I kinda like Leshwi. I'm yeah. I'm on board with Leshwi potentially, you know, being a character that we follow
3: and care about. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yes, I also agree.
3: Um so yeah, so Leshwi is fighting she was challenging Sigil, um, but of course she's better than than sids uh Sigil. Uh I mean she
1: outflew sleep-deprived Kaladin earlier, so mm. she's, she is
3: good, and Sigzil isn't quite there yet. Right. So she spears Sigil in the chest, Sig- and of course Zil. he's losing the stormlight. Kaladin just There's says, a no. There's a Z in there, Craig. What? Sigzil. There's a Z. Sigzil. Yeah, you keep saying Sigil. There's a Z. There's a lot of letters I never pronounce.
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is very true.
3: <laughs> Sigzil. I, I like the, Sigil. Maybe that's how actually how it's pronounced. Tori?
0: <laughs> no, it it's Sigsel in no. the audiobook.
3: Sorry. Don't ruin my dream. my dream. You keep dreaming your dream. Anyway. <laughs> so she spears him in the chest. Calden goes, no. And then uh Leshwe stops. And as as Calden spared the fuse from before, he does the same thing as you mentioned. Uh Calden says, you know, put your weapon away, bow your head, and leave the, the battleground, and she will respect that, which is pretty cool um and then of course Kaladin challenges her again because you know that's what he does they're gonna fight you gotta fight
1: um to be, be fair good? i think they actually do both enjoy if if the not the actual fighting other. the the flying and the challenge the challenging yeah like it's it, on some level it is fun for both of them
3: right it's it's going against a very skilled opponent but you're not you don't have it's not from anger or anything it's It's different how Kaladin would fight Moash versus Leshwi. This is an opponent you can respect. You can say they are skilled. You appreciate that skill and you can fight on similar grounds. It's it's a nice like competition and something I can see a person looking forward to, even though their lives are in danger. Although given what was said, Kaladin and Leshwi fight multiple times and they will break the engagement from each other. They won't necessarily, like, Caledon, it doesn't always result in Caledon killing Leshwi. Speaking like, of Moash, just... though. Yeah, fun fun that you should bring him up. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that later. Um,
0: uh, no, that's actually the next scene.
3: Well, first we get to talk about Navani. So now we have a Navani perspective. Um, and they're sort of like, hey, there's some engineering stuff that she's talking to with one of her ardents. Uh, just talking about the evacuation of the townspeople, making sure they get everyone on the fourth bridge, and then um, that the fourth bridge can actually handle this many people. Um, so it's just discussions with that. And they do have, there is a bit of a part where she's looking at Renarin entertaining the children, and it's sort of like how she's thinking, like they know that Giles is sprint, or at least tainted by sprint. So they're sort of like, we don't know what this means, and we know he has a different set of powers. Also, there's a nice little reveal here that we have other, um, uh, what is it, Uh, truth Truth watchers. Watchers. Yeah.
1: So, So... yeah, Renarin can can heal. That was established in Oathbringer. Yeah. Uh, But he can't make proper illusions. He can just sort of make light balls, and sometimes they
3: do weird things, but we don't get into details on that. So he definitely has access to the surge of progression. I think it's progression that does the healing bit, right? Growth and regrowth. Right, but that's considered progression or no? Thought it was just growth
1: and regrowth. Like Uh... one one to make plants grow and one to heal people, but it's the same thing.
3: Give me one. Once Coppermine actually loads, I will tell you. Progression is the surge of growth and healing or regrowth. So yes, it's the surge of progression. And then he has a corrupted or minor form of illumination which is the light weaver thing so this sort of makes me think about how the uh the fused are and it feels like it's somewhat similar where they have a main surge which they seem to be as skilled as as the uh radiance in that in that main surge but the secondary surge is corrupted or weakened in some way so like the the heavenly ones are great with gravitation they can lash, but they typically don't do lashes themselves. So it seems like they have a weaker or different version of adhesion and that could be the same. So essentially I think Renarin has whatever the fused equivalent of a truth watcher is. That's what he is. So maybe the, the one uh, else caller fused can
1: teleport like an else caller, but can only um, soul cast a
3: new body for himself. Maybe. Hmm, maybe. That's all we've seen so far. I mean that Uh, would would is an interesting brief view of Renarin, which I'm hoping we're gonna see more. I I would love to get like a perspective chapter on him in this book.
1: Are there are there unmade that can do progression then? Growth and regrowth? I believe so. We haven't seen that, but we also haven't seen several other things.
3: It, It would be the truth watcher version, so renarin is the only one we've seen, and he might not be the same as the fused version. But I'm, I'm putting it out there. I have a theory that he's the same as the fused version of what, whatever the fused version of the Truth Watcher is. That's what he is. We know one of the one of the Radiants are not going to be mimicked by the fuse because they only have nine. They well, don't that have. Was,
1: that was why I was wondering about progression because right. It it, it would make sense to me from, like, a narrative perspective if they don't have a healer class, basically. Hmm. Because they can res. Okay. Yeah. Maybe.
3: Interesting.
0: I thought we had theorized it was Bondsmiths that they can't do.
1: Also, Connection. possibly, but I don't know. Yeah. Although I would say that, like, the Bondsmith
3: surges aren't the important part of the Bondsmith. Right. Yeah, well, the Bondsmith is adhesion is probably their main one. Uh, And tension, which is like the stone modification stuff, among other things. But yeah, Bondsmith's primary thing is connection.
1: Yeah. They can they can super-duper manipulate connection, and that has nothing to do with
3: the, the specific surges. That's just, they're Bondsmiths. It's what they do. Well, I want to put an asterisk there. Not that it necessarily doesn't have anything to do with the surges, so much as I believe it's based on the combination of the two surges. That gives them this, I'll call it passive ability. So their thing is connection and adhesion, which is about connecting physical objects with lashes and stuff, and tension, which is called the surge of soft axial interconnection. They're both related to connection in some way, which means bondsmen in general deal with connection, and that's because of their two surges. So let's move on. Okay um so yeah so we have a view of renarin it's sort of like we don't quite know what he is we just know he's not quite like a truth watcher um navani you know like i said has a chat with her uh ardent and then she goes over hold on a second she has a chat with an ardent she goes over and oh, then she, she's she talks rushu. with a different argent ardent who is rushu who is the pretty yeah. one who gets distracted yeah um and She's watching the fight and she's looking at the, the different fused and, and just sort of studying them to see how they work. And the fact that she noticed how um one of the fused let Sid Sigzel go. And like, that's that's Sid different. Sigzel. And they're like
1: oh. attorney at law.
3: <laughs> and and yeah, and then and then we also have a, a note that we have uh, Dalinar is currently being well, he's being talked to by Rock and he's being guarded covertly by Cord, which is. Who's Rock's daughter? Who happens to have shard plate? And so, does she also have shards? We we know she uses the shard bow, and she Uh, has shard plate. It
0: refers to her as a shard bearer. So I don't know if that's just talking about the armor and the bow, or if she's also got a blade somewhere.
3: Right. Um. Well, she has plate. She has plate, which is enough to be a shard bearer. Okay. So. Yeah, I th- this is when I'm reading this sort of section it makes me think about like I feel like I missed a lot cuz it's been what like a year since Oathbringer and we we have lots of different radiants now. It's not just the small group of people like we have a lot of wind like they they discuss I believe is in the last chapter. I I forget. They discuss exactly how many wind runners there are and they have enough wind runners or they have a, they have most of the people that are bonded with Spren plus a few squires that have good control of their abilities and they're able to take on the force of heavenly ones. And you have enough left over other squires that will go down and protect the the, the townspeople on the fourth bridge. There's a lot of people here. Yep. Uh,
1: so funny that you should bring up that it feels like you missed a lot. Yeah. Uh... I know you read this because we both looked for it at the same time and I think we both found it at the same time, but Brandon did um annotations to these preview chapters. Yeah. And last week's annotation was that he intentionally wrote this this first part as uh basically the ending to a missing book. So mm. we've got we've got shifting perspectives mid chapter, which is something he right. doesn't normally do until the end. Yeah, uh, he basically wanted us to feel like we missed some stuff and that we're starting on a conclusion. Yeah,
3: it definitely feels that way. Um, the key point I want to point out with Cord is that I forget if it's mentioned in this chapter or if I just missed it from last last week. She got her shard plate from Amia. Uh That was last week.
1: And yeah, I had assumed that she was using Amram's plate that Rod right. gave
3: to her, but apparently not. So there's no. stuff going on that we have no idea about. So I think she's going to be in the the book, what was it, the Dawnshard book? Maybe. Like, that's all about Amia. There's a chance that she goes along with uh, R- R- Risen, is that her name? Risen to and Yelb.
0: Yeah, that's, That is Yay, what I assumed would be the plot also.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like that's sort of what we're going to get there, and that, that could be pretty cool. Okay, but yelp, <laughs> yeah, Yelp. Anyway, um, so yeah, so so they take a law of cords protecting uh, Dalinar, and then they head on over, and this this is a neat part where Dalinar is just creating perpendicular perpendicularities at will. Like this is an ability that he has which is so useful. He he's a battery. He is a giant battery. Um he's just opening a perpendicularity. In front of them to help, you know, recharge the Windrunners and people. Navani sees Shadesmar, though. She gets a glimpse into Shadesmar. She sees the little the spheres that, that are in there. And she asks Rishu what she saw, and Rishu doesn't see anything. Like, why can Navani see a, a glimpse into Shadesmar, but Rishu sees nothing?
0: Plus... I, I she... took that as further evidence that Navani's going to be bonding somebody.
3: Absolutely. But she felt something, like a pulse, a powerful thump. Right. Navani h- hears a distinct tone. Rishu just feels that thump.
1: Rushu. Oh,
3: R-U-S-H-U.
1: I don't know where you get these pronunciations.
3: <laughs> it just sound better in my head. source <laughs> of amusement. Rushu. Yeah, she hears a thump, so... And I think that makes sense. A lot of the way investigators used, uh, surges are uses, there seems to be some kind of melody or musical component to it. And people can sense that sort of thing. When the Fuse use their powers, they're humming. They they are actively singing, humming some type of song. Um, So it makes sense that a thump would happen from someone who, like, imagine someone who doesn't understand music. They're like, OK, there's some kind of sound. It's like a thump or something. But Navani hears a tone. She hears a particular note. Like, what do you guys think? Yes, uh, I I brought it up specifically
1: so that you could tie it into your um, overarching meta theory
3: of music as investiture. It's so strong here. Um, and I think this right here, this the fact that Navani can see in the Shades Mar, it's like Tori said, I think this is further proof that she's she's going to do some bonding. I prefer she would become the second Bondsmith, but we'll see. Something is certainly happening here, and she's putting herself. I've I've called my shot here, which which is that Navani will bond uh,
1: the sibling, and that potentially Taravangian will bond the Nightwatcher.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't care about that part, but Navani deserves everything right and good after that prologue that we saw.
3: Yeah, she's, she's going to get the tower back and running. Like, I have no doubt that the she tower up and needs... running will be from Navani.
0: I need her to have a giant victory and get all the self-esteem points, because I love her, and that prologue was terrible.
3: Hmm. Okay,
1: but imagine the the narrative um, possibilities for Taravangian becoming the third bondsmith and having power on par with Navani and Dalinar after yeah, yeah, they sure. already that know, can know happen. That, that he... He turned
3: on them in the last book. Um, sure, I would go along. But I
0: need the other thing. I don't need that to happen. <laughs> I need the other thing, though.
3: I'm, I'm going to go along with it only because I see a lot of discussion in in the um, Stormlight Archive subreddit and everything about how people are assuming Moash is going to be the Odm's champion now that Dalinar has said has did not defied it. I like everything you're saying. To me, Moash is a weak choice for the champion. It needs to be someone strong, someone interesting. And Moash is just interesting in terms of Kaladin and the other bridge members. Right. That's not an interesting from a narrative perspective. So everyone sort of seems to I wouldn't say everyone, but a good group of people seem to think Moash is going to be our ODM's champion. And I don't think that's the case. No, I like. I like
1: Moash for picking up Odium Shard after race gets killed at the end of book five. Hmm. Um, that but, could be interesting. But I it? like, I like Ishar for Odium's actual champion. Right. Assuming, um, anyway. assuming of course that that one theory that we covered a while
3: back uh, is accurate, but I really oh really I'm like keeping it. an eye on Ishar. Anytime he's mentioned, I'm going to analyze the heck out of it because I don't trust him at all. There's so many hints that he's up to no good. Like everything he was doing with Nail and and how he acted towards Downar when Downar was sending him overtures to help join the coalition, like he just defied it. He's a Herald, and he's defying joining with the other Radiants. He's he's messed up in the head. He yeah. might not necessarily be on Team Evil, but he's a uh, he's he's not on Team Good Guy. Um, at, but- at the time, I took
1: it just to be his own particular brand of Herald insanity, since they right. all seem to have it. Yeah, um, but yeah, with. With the context of that one theory,
3: uh, yeah, no, it it he's he is suspicious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this actually ties into something I wanted to to briefly touch on: Nail and his Skybreakers. Um, at the end of Oathbringer, they they mention how they're joining with these singers because they feel like they have the proper claim to the planet, and they're gonna to work with them. I think it was taken by the community that that meant the Skybreakers, for the most part, are joining Odium. And I want to point out that is not the case. They are specifically helping the singers and and working with them in terms of justice and law and whatever it is that Skybreakers do. It's the singers. Right now, the singers are allied with Odium, but... If the Singers ever change that alliance, and maybe, let's say, I don't know, work with the humans and Radiance, the Skybreakers will be there with them. I mean, I could definitely see some cases where things
1: start breaking down and, and sides start getting switched. Like, I can see the Heavenly Ones joining, joining up with the Windrunners. Like, I can see them realizing that they have more in common than they have not in common.
3: Right. I wanted to. That's the thing I wanted to touch on. I'll get to it at the end because we do have a scene with Kaladin and uh, Um. But okay. so next next
1: thing in our in our preview chapter here is Navani and Rushu talking about how much manpower goes into getting this one airship working.
3: Right. They have people both at Urethru and I suspect maybe on the Shattered Plains just to get this whole giant contraption working it's it's ridiculous how much manpower is needed because you have a lot of different people that need to be coordinated to make sure they're doing the correct thing um you're putting the aluminum plates in the correct spot to make sure things don't get moved in a real way it is a huge undertaking the trolls that need to be moved around in the proper way and just just to make sure it all works so Although they're looking at it from the generals and everything are looking at it from a war perspective, you can't field many of these with their current resources. They they suspect only two or three of these giant platforms can be manned. Unless, and I suspect they're not very fast. Unless they
1: make some technological advancements and refine some things and yeah, and get better power sources. Right, right. Which personally, oh. I think that Navani just wanting to use Urithiru as a power source is her wildly underestimating what
3: a functional tower can actually do. Mm, Wow. Just imagine if she does bond the sibling and how much understanding is. Oh, my gosh. We're going to get so much information. The fact that they were able to develop this platform, which was new to Heralds, they were like, hey, this this is technological progress. So it's mentioned, I believe, in this chapter that they were talking to Ash, one of the Heralds, Uh, About like their technological progress. And this is new from the eyes of the Heralds. This is keep in mind, the Heralds kept coming back. And every time they came back, technological progress was lower than the last time they were there because there was less time that has passed. So we are currently at the point where so much time has passed that the, the humans were able to develop well beyond what the Heralds have ever seen before. Yep. Um, so yeah yeah the 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 team humans are in a pretty good spot in that respect we'll have to see if it's up they lost the radiance well at least they're at the time uh, a few years ago they lost the radiance but now they have the technology at least so just imagine now if navani is bonded with the sibling can actually talk to one of these greater spren and get information that way with how this works. Like, I think her understanding of how Sprint do what they do will increase a hundredfold. And Navani with information is super powerful. Well, okay. Consider
1: the approximate power level
3: that we need to hit
1: to, to make this equivalent. Yeah. Dalinar can make perpendicularities. Just yep. can make it. Can keep it open for a few hours. Apparently it's very tiring for him. just a light sweat but whatever he can do that yeah that is a game changer by itself right uh i would assume that whatever bondsmith bonds the night watcher can start passing out boons and curses just sort of willy-nilly sure which is which is equally opaf or maybe just boons and no curses i don't know the i i got the feeling that like the one had to go with the other they didn't necessarily have to make sense to anybody except the Night Watcher, but Right.
0: Also, who would want that? Like, (gasps) I can curse people? No, you just get to give them boons. (laughs) Oh
3: I think I think it's because boons and curses are because of how the Night Watcher operates and how she wants to learn about humans and how they work. So she basically throws along a curse so that way she can see how people act and react to that particular curse. So I think it's sort of like what the Watcher gets out of it is the curse. So if she is bonded with someone, she doesn't need that aspect. So I suspect the person who bonds with the Night Watcher will just be able to give out boons. They're or they're also being curses. Canceled.
1: Maybe they don't have to go to the same person. Maybe she can mm, maybe maybe, yeah. maybe Terravangian can like boon someone and curse <laughs> someone else.
3: Teravangian you say? Huh. I
1: uh, where all right. that came from. So, so that's the approximate power level that Navani bonded with Simlet with sibling yeah. would be expected to hit. Agreed. So part of that is going to be getting Urthiru up and running like that's yeah. Call that about half. And mm-hmm. then some aspect of that needs to make up about the other half of how all of this works. Like, what if, what if you need that? What? If, yeah. What if you need the tower working to make shard
3: plate? for Well, people? we, so, so let's look at what we know um real quick Dalinar and other Bondsmiths, or, we we know of at least one other bondsmith who was bonded with the stormfather uh that was uh what, what's her what's her face malishi or something the the one who severed the connection with to the singer's uh connection identity in the first place do we know so that we that, know that, was,
1: it, that, was, that was that she was bonded with stormfather i believe that's the case yes because i was I going to make an argument that There hasn't been anyone bonded with Stormfather since Honor died, and that's why Dalinar can now make perpendicularities where nobody else could in the past that we know of. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to say that the bond got a boost because Stormfather has bonded with the Cognitive Shadow of Honor. And so maybe, the, maybe,
0: maybe the bondsmith that severed that connection was the one bonded to the sibling, and maybe that's why we don't know where the sibling is.
1: And that's the next step I was going for. Thank
3: you, Tori. You're okay, welcome. So going along with that though, we know that the bondsmiths are are more capable, like there's more powers associated with them. Like Dalinar can do more. Than just open perpendicularities. We know we've seen a little bit of that when he forms that weird connection with Chelan, and is it, and she's able to like map out stuff and things like that. So we know in general he we have this connection thing. So it's not just opening perpendicularities. So See, going along with that, hold on, hold on.
1: So that that part, the the making another um, radiant better at what they do, the forming a connection so you can cheat at language stuff. I assume that that's that's generic Bondsmith stuff. That's yeah. just all all three of them can do that. Like windrunners can fly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Skybreakers can determine innocent versus guilty somehow. Apparently, like I figured that was just that's just whoever. And then you get an extra special super thing for whichever super spren you bond.
3: Yeah, Um. sure. All I'm getting at is that when she bonds the sibling, we, we should look at what we know. We should we should look at how much is going to come out of having the tower in operation. We've seen farms. So we know there's a way to control the weather in some way or at least be able to control heat, which could come from fabrials in some way or the tower itself being a giant fabrial. So we know she'll have some ability to give heat. The tower will have heat to it. Um, there were other things that they've seen with how it operates, like I believe, like the elevators and stuff. To move so, around Navani like is a central heating and air system. <laughs> I'm just just imagine if that's part of the power. What she has control of there, how much energy that will be given off just for that alone. And your argument is that that's only like half of what she'll be capable of, which is just an agreement that whoever bonds with the sibling will have a lot of power. Right. I mean, I'm not disagreeing
1: with you. I I think we've gotten plenty of evidence in Oathbringer that. Like there is supposed to be, you know, basically central air, central heating going on in the tower, and there isn't currently because because it's broken. But yeah, it's just it it struck me as funny that Navani's power as a bondsmith, comparative to Dalinar being able to open a perpendicularity at will, is th- there's heat she can she can turn on the heater. It's a furnace. There, there's a furnace in the tower. <laughs> He's the
0: power company, and she's small appliance repair.
1: Yeah, sounds good. All right. So, what happens next in our preview chapter?
3: Uh, well, There's
0: re- a re- Moash. What? Moash appears. Dramatic no, 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 hold,
3: zoom hold, hold, hold. on Moash. Wait, 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 Navani. I really want to, real quick, want to dramatic talk about unzoom on Moash. <laughs> <laughs> so to discuss when 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 she actually explicitly mentions the sprint that was housed within Erethru, and mm-hmm. it was maintained by a bondsmith that was like Delinar. Um, so she she's looking at Shadesmore, but I think she realizes that it has something to do with a connection to the spiritual realm as well. And I feel like we get a hint that maybe the sibling is hiding in the spiritual realm. That could be where the sibling is currently hiding. Dramatic okay. zoom on I, Moash.
0: I wouldn't have looked for him there, so...
3: That perfect hiding spot. Dramatic Navani, zoom on Navani, did Moash? you check
0: on top of the fridge?
3: <laughs> so, Rush, Rushu sees a what she thinks is a radiant just chilling, but careful. Take a look at it. Dramatic zoom. And you see he doesn't have a, a uh, what's it called? A thing on his shoulder. A patch. He doesn't have the bridge for patch. <gasps> it's Moash. So Moash is there. He was watching. And I don't trust him because he doesn't have any honor. So who knows what he's up to? And that's all we get. We we see him and he flies off. And he has Stormlight. That's scary. He has Stormlight. He now, has he has um, Yezrian's Honor Blade. Right. That's what I was going to say. We know that he killed Yezrian uh, at the end of Oathbringer. And that is the patron of the Windrunners. So... He, I don't. Does he have his honor blade? Though, because I, I was pretty sure I was under the impression that all the honor blades are held by the Shin, aside from nails. Uh, during Oathbreaker, oh. someone or Teft sells that's his right. coat.
1: Someone attacks the uh, attacks Bridge Four. Yeah. gets the honor blade
3: and leaves. Yeah, that's so a good point. Thank you. Moash has Yezrien's honor blade. Okay, so I when I read this, I'm like, could this be because of how they? killed yesrian and sort of captured his his soul but if it's just he's holding the the honor blade that makes sense too because he would have access to all the windrunner abilities and the problem is he that means he did he train with it he trained with that those oh no that was in words radiant that was before we started really seeing the squires right right he he had not squired yet okay um he probably would have if he didn't go against Kaladin's don't kill he the king He wasn't a thing. jerky jerk. Anyway, so Moash was there watching over the fight and we don't know what he's up to yet because unfortunately we have a scene change back to Kaladin. Yeah, it sucks whenever we go back to Kaladin. I <laughs> hate <laughs> well, to scenes see what... with that guy. Okay. Uh, Kaladin and Leshwi are fighting each other. They're weaving through the battlefield and stuff like that and doing some cool windrunner stuff. Um, they're flying through the air. It's sort of like they're sort of showing off. They're They're competing, but they're not necessarily, like, fighting each other. They're sort of like, look at me fly, sort of thing. It's interesting what kind of competition they have going on here.
0: And then Kaladin has the home turf advantage.
3: He does. He uses it to spring a trap on Leshwi. Like, "Uh uh-oh, you didn't know about this cave thing or whatever it is here. So he sort of sets up a mini ambush for her in this place that he knew about. Because he grew up in the area and he he was familiar with it. Um, But uh, they sort of fight each other and they successfully hit each other like at the same time or something so it's sort of like a draw but at that moment they hear the civilians like screaming out and and crying out in pain and it's like what the heck's going on like we were just doing our fight Uh, you know the heavenly ones and windrunners were challenging each other it was a nice friendly little duel there should not be a a scream of pain like what's going on and they find out the weird lightning teleporter. fused is and and some other uh what's it called singers are attacking the civilians which is no good and lishui is also angered by that activity so uh this is the part i wanted to discuss um the fact that that lishui like she has a sense of honor and she says to Kaladin, it seems to be that there's a sense of go ahead go handle this go stop him because I don't like how this other fuse is handling this situation. It's not honorable. So they agree to a draw, and then Kaladin goes to to wreck some face. Hopefully, I like Leshwi.
0: I also like Leshwi. The, just the part where she would be like, "Hang on, killing civilians isn't cool."
3: Yeah, I, oh, I, I feel like gosh. there's. Go
0: take care of that.
3: There's an understanding that's being passed between Kaladin and Leshwi here, and I feel like that. They, they they have a common stance that there's a discussion that can be had here if they can actually sit down and talk. Uh, I actually thought during previous chapters that rather than
1: having a big dumb fight scene, I would have liked for Kaladin and Leshwi to just sort of sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. Or not even sit down, just sort of like float a good distance away from each other and yell a conversation to each other instead <laughs> of trying to kill each
3: other. I, I trust they could sit down at a table if they came to that agreement. This week was almost as good as that. Yeah. Like, there
1: there was definite communication between them, if not necessarily verbal.
3: Right. I, I think this needed to be established, and this so, sort of goes along with my theory that some of the singers will eventually work with the humans against Odium. Uh, certainly. Mean, it only makes the... sense since
1: the Skybreakers are going the other way. So, yeah.
3: Uh certainly, so we do have a group of listeners that they're mentioned that they escape back in words of radiance. We haven't seen them or heard from them at all. We know they so Venley thinks she's the last listener in existence, but I don't think that's the case. We know that's not the case, risen or not risen um, Relaine. yeah, Verlaine, sure, but like I said, I think there was a there was another group that included Venley's mother right, if the, you remember the they elderly sort of got away. and
1: the loyal guards. Yeah, Uh, that yeah, and I set up without, I think, realizing that
3: she had done so against the wishes of her controlling Void's friend. Right. So I think they exist. I just don't know where they are. We haven't seen them.
1: We haven't checked back
3: in in with them since um,
1: since Words of Radiance when they disappeared. So, yeah, they could have given that they could have died in the combination High Storm, Everstorm, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. I don't think so. I don't think
3: they're dead. I don't think so either, but they could have. Sure. What I was going to say is the listeners were able to exist without humans even knowing they existed for centuries. It wasn't until, you know, recently with when Eshon and I encounter Gavilar, you know, what is it, 10 years ago or whatever it is since that time like they existed before and they can certainly hide again so this small group of listeners probably went in hiding I don't think they're going to be affected by the Everstorm because they don't agree with the old gods or Odium in, in that case uh, and the other um, fuse so I don't think they would allow them in their body but we don't know what they're going to do but I think it's going to be a key point to Venli's story about her reconnecting with them which should hopefully get her on Team Radiance at least we'll But will uh, see I guess like, this is supposed to be Renly, Venly's book, sorry, Venley's book. Um, and given how lish we act, like, I feel like we're going to start seeing some connection between at least the, the humans and some of the singers, certainly the listeners, to go against Odium. Because Odium, it doesn't matter what he says, he's going to destroy the whole place. I'm not convinced he, he would keep anyone alive. Maybe he would. He just, he embodies hatred. He's passionately hate hate has a strong passion for hatred. He has a passion for I've lost it. There was a. <laughs> it's... um Yeah, so uh, it, it is neat. And I do think Kaladin and we need to sit down together or less and end are but it seems like Kaladin unless we have that sort of connection and we see that, that Kaladin C connection. Co- yeah, I, I think so. I was going to say we know Kaladin responds positively to forming connections with people. Oh, um, no, he forms connection with. Pseudo squires. Back when he joins, like the group of singers and helps them out briefly. What? Hold on. I have, I have a thing. Yeah. Uh,
1: So we know that at least some of what's going on with Kaladin is romantic woes, right? Oh, what if he and Leshwi hook up?
3: Are are we
1: sailing a ship? Well, okay. So Moash and Leshwi had a thing going throughout Oathbringer, right? Yeah. So sort of. Kaladin already hates Moash. What if Kaladin steals Moash's girl, and that's what makes
3: Moash hate Kaladin? Anything that goes against Moash, I'm for. So yes, do it. Kaladin and Leshwi, forever calling it. Yeah, but I have a question. Who's
1: Kara? I don't know, and I don't know if you're just mispronouncing a name that I should know.
3: Kara. K-A-R-A. She's mentioned briefly as a squire who should bond, but for some reason there's no spren who's willing to bond with her? Oh, we oh, yeah, that's it. That's all we have of on her. Bren.
0: Yeah, yeah we, we talked about that last week. You missed it.
3: Yeah, she she was name dropped, and I'm sort of like, who's that? Uh, basically, she's
1: she's the best squire they have that should have been a Radiant by now, but yeah. they ran out of Spren, and no more Spren are coming, which we also learned from Silphrena's interlude that we got in the email right. a while back. That yeah, so for, there's... For some reason,
3: more Spren aren't coming. Right, there's that's another issue that needs to be tackled. And we don't know how that's going to be handled, because they have to convince the bulk of Sprint to be willing to bond with Radiance again. That's going to be tough. But maybe, you know, Adalyn making progress with Ma- Maya will come a long way. That's part of it, I- I'm sure.
1: Um, maybe Dalinar needs to convince the Stormfather to
3: create new Sprint. What if, what if it's not Dalinar? What if it's the person who bonds with the sibling that can help convince the the Spren in Shadesmar? What if Navani? Uh, for that one,
1: I'm actually thinking it would be more whoever bonds with Nightmother, since they'd have more of a connection to Cultivation. Okay, that's who, fair. Who for sure has a better chance of convincing
3: Spren than mm. another mm-hmm. Spren. Right. That That's what Team Radiance have to get that's one of the barriers like we have to fix the tower um they at least have a bunch so so we know there's a bunch of edge dancers we have a band of truth watchers uh we have a lot we have like what 300 wind runners and squires under Kaladin. um so you know they're they're coming up the power we know they have a couple of radiants cuz it looks like ash has been working with team radiant uh they have they have light weavers oh. also Mm, they have the Light Weavers, yep, because um, Sh- Shallan mentions how she was able to set up a trap using one of her other Light Weavers. So we know she's working with other Light Weavers. So we 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 have some power now, um, but some problems that they're handling is like they have a severe lack of physical land because the Singers and Fuse are taking over a lot of um, the different countries and regions. Uh, they have issues with Spren. There's a limit to how many are willing to form bonds and it's the, only the really the, the younger spring who are willing to go along with the bond at this point.
1: The oath gates are all screwy. Oath oath gates are pretty much out of commission aside for a couple of them. Uh apparently they can just you can
3: go to Shadesmar through them. And as just a standard thing now. And uh I uh, Sadius has ELA. has ELA has some control of the Shattered Plains oath gate which is bad because that's their main oath gate. Not the Oath Gate, the the War camps. Yeah, the war camps which are near the Oath Gate. But imagine if she controls that area though, it'll be very difficult to get through the Oath Gate to Aretha Room. They accept that Windrunners exist. Yeah.
1: And okay. So any any order that that produces squire that like gains squires has theoretically infinite numbers. You just have to create bonds. Or yeah create connection and and bonds there so like like there's there can be more windrunners it it
3: just becomes more difficult the larger the numbers get you have to be physically near the person you have a connection with though and plus just thinking about real life i would find it hard to have a bond with like a hundred different people like keeping track of all those people and having a proper bond to feel close enough like that's that's sort of what has to be become like these people who are squires they feel a strong connection to whoever they're squired to they form that connection maybe not necessarily to the person themselves but more to the ideals for example we had a lot of people who wanted to join bridge four back in oathbringer because of the concept of bridge four and what it meant but there's still i think a finite limit that you're going to be like we can't really get more squires just because it's so hard to form that much connection
1: why didn't renarin ever ever become a squire is it just because right is it just because he's already bonded to a spren like does that does that prevent
3: squiring i don't think so i think we have gotten uh information that you can basically join multiple orders and maybe even become like bond i i I think you can bond two different spren it's just that your relative power level will be so basically you can dual cat a class In D&D terms. Um, So then let's go back to my question. Why didn't Renarin start squiring? Because I I think he himself viewed himself as more of an outsider. He feels he has a little bit of connection to them, but I think he acknowledges the difference, which is why he hasn't fully become a squire with a with a Windrunner. Or is it because he stopped hanging out with them
1: once they opened up Earthiru? Maybe. Maybe. Because that did happen. Right. And I guess the squiring didn't really start happening until until after the end of book two. Yeah,
3: that's probably it. Probably the timeline. But I think in general, it's based on connection and how you cultivate that connection. Mm. All
1: right. I feel like we've pretty well run out of stuff.
0: Yes, I also feel like we've run out of stuff.
3: Quick, Tori, run. Run while we get there. Oh, but wait, I want to talk about...
1: Dot, dot, dot. I was fully prepared (laughs) to let you... (laughs) <laughs> but if you're, gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna pull that on me, then next time it ain't happening. Boy who cried extra theories. Nah, you guys would like that. So yeah, gonna call it here. See you guys okay. next week.
0: Good night. All right, Anna.
1: bye, bye
3: everybody.
0: This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @cosmerecast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is "Traveling Made Up Continents" by Gillicuddy used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive.